Hello, and welcome to the penultimate 2022 episode of Radio SGN. I am A.V. Eichenbaum, pronouns they, them, editor-in-chief at Seattle Gay News. Been a big year, a big week, crazy, crazy times. Lindsay, how are you? I'm doing good. Beatrice, who you dedicated listeners will know is the dog that has been living with me forever now, is um, now in a love triangle. So I'm dealing with that this week. Oh my. Yes. The dog that nobody wanted to adopt for the last four months now all of a sudden has two different families interested in her. And it's up to little old me to decide whether or not Beatrice goes to live with a lovely, charming, elderly couple that recently lost their dog of 15 years and is looking for a new companion, or a little girl who has never had a dog before but fell in love with Beatrice the moment that she met her. So I'm going to either break some old people's hearts or break a child's heart, and I don't know what to do yet. Well, hey, if you give it to the child, how old is Beatrice? Uh, she's about five. It's a great lesson in mortality. That's awful. That's so sad. Thank you. I've been doing really well recently, so I, with the snow day and everything, you know, I've found a new appreciation for winter, for sure, and I'm feeling good. Uh, we can we can talk about the news in a second, but this time last year, we had an episode where we set our intentions using the Roger Van Oyck creative whack pack that I have on my desk. I remember, but I have no clue what my intention was and what card I drew. For new listeners or listeners who may have forgotten because it was a year ago, Learning to use the Roger Van Oyck creative whack pack as a child was my villain origin story, and I'm all about it. It's a corporate creative tool for finding solutions to problems that my mother gave to me when I was very, very young, and I still use it. It works very well. Sometimes you just need a whack on the side of the head, and so it's like little metaphors. I love it. I love every second of it. It comes with little illustrations, and um, so last year... We used these cards, which I have right here, to set an intention for our new year. And I set one for myself, and you set one for yourself, and then we set one for the listeners. The one we set for the listeners was, don't force things. Well, so mine was, uh, make a metaphor. So for whatever problems I have, make a metaphor. Do you feel you've made metaphors this year? Yeah, I feel like, you know, the SGN as a whole feels a lot like a garden that needs some work. You plant seeds and sometimes they don't grow and you got to kind of move on and hope that, you know, the next season will be better. Don't want to stay in one place too long, uh, use the same soil for everything because then it'll dry up. So you got to keep moving and keep rotating out and figuring out how to best plant your crops what crops do you actually want you know is it a flower garden or a vegetable garden i'm hoping for roses in the new year so your what your intention that we set using these corporate creativity cards was solve the right problem uh focus on the right problem the actual problem and not you know something else and the example for that one is just a quick recap uh there's count basie who's like a pianist and, and whatever kept playing at this bar but the piano was always out of tune he's like i'm not going to come back unless you fix the piano a couple weeks later he gets a call from the bar owner hey i fixed it and he comes back piano's still out of tune bartender's like yeah i totally fixed it basically like what what do you mean it's still out of tune he's like no 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 i painted it to solve the wrong problem so do you feel like you solved the right problems this year i don't think i solved any problems this year to be honest nice <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like you created the right problems this year? I don't think I 
created enough problems this year. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be real with you. I think yeah. that my goal for next year is to be the problem. Be the problem you want to see in the world. Yeah, I used to like strive <laughs> to be the main character, but this is the beginning, I think, of my villain origin. And I have not been the main character in so long. <laughs> My energy is like sort of depressed wizard. I could totally see that. You like do give vibes of the um who's the wizard that does that in that one claymation Christmas movie? The mm. the one that like sings one foot in front of the other and then learns to walk. Old man winter? Like the <laughs> the wizard of the north? Yeah. The wizard of the north. He's fully evil at the beginning of that story. And then he has a change of heart when a penguin teaches him how to love or something yeah feel like that's you frigid at first and then warm after i learn to dance again yeah like oh i'll, I'll take that at least i'm not fucking ice king you know <laughs> wait i <laughs> love ice king i identify as ice king everyone's a sexy baby and i'm a monster on the hill oh jeez. that was great are you ready to set these intentions I'm so ready. All right. Do you want to go first or shall I? Did I go first last time? I went first last time. Oh, then I want to go first. I want a good intention this time. Drum roll, please. Look to nature. Card number 13. The sticky hooked spine of the common burr inspired the man who invented Velcro fastener. The spinning wing feature of the elm seed served as a model for more efficient windmills and helicopters. Bell invented the telephone by imitating the ear. Imagine that you are an animal, beaver, a plant, dandelion, or perhaps an insect, bee. How would you go about problem solving if that was the case? What patterns in nature can you borrow? Mm, I like that. I will try to be more natural. Shuffle them up again for myself. Do you ever wonder, like, if we existed in nature, um, you know, without modern technology, if we would still be alive? Because I know I would be dead. I mean, I'd probably be really different. I'm kind of a mutt of a bunch of different... Like, colonization wouldn't have happened. You, who you are right now, like, placed in, like, a naked and afraid situation, you know? Where you just gotta be, like, in nature. Would you survive? Because I, I would die. I wouldn't even try, I think. I would just curl up in a ball and die. No, I think I could, I could manage for a while. I'm really hard to kill. And I know that from experience. I tried it. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, a little dark. Set that intention now. Set that intention. Conform. I haven't gotten this card before. Conform. Card number 36. When St. Augustine was a young priest in Milan, he took a problem to his bishop. He was going to Rome where the Sabbath was celebrated on Sunday, while in Milan it was celebrated on Saturday. Augustine was confused as to which was the right day. The bishop solved his problems by saying, When in Rome, do as the Romans. Conformity is a necessary part of our existence. Without it, the fabric of society would come apart. It's the same with new ideas. If you're too far out in left field, you might be out of the ballpark. To what standards should you be conforming? Now that is a really interesting vibe for me. I feel like your whack pack just like attacked you. I feel like that was homophobic. Let's think about it like this, right? These are suggestions. And also sometimes standardization is good, like we've been doing with the paper. You know, we did have to conform to some sort of organization with the paper to make sure we had weekly meetings. We have, you know, a, deadlines, for Christ's sake, you know. And we didn't have that two years ago before I started. And now we do. Some standards are there for a reason. And 
honestly, it's good to think about sometimes because I can be pretty far out there with my ideas on occasion. Not all of them are gold. I'll be the first to admit that. It's good to take a look. All right, listener at home, are you ready for us to set your intention? What are you going to be into? What are you going to be thinking about? How are you going to solve your problems? Can I get that drum roll again, Lindsay? <laughs> get out of your box. Card number three. Ooh, they're not going to agree with you. Each culture has its own way of looking at the world. Often the best ideas come from cutting across disciplinary boundaries and looking into other fields. As Bob Weider put it, anyone can look for fashion in a boutique or history in a museum. The creative explorer looks for history in a hardware store and fashion in an airport. Example, World War I military designers borrowed from the cubist art of Picasso to create more efficient camouflage patterns for tanks. In what outside places can you look for ideas? That example is very militaristic. I mean, I feel like a lot of this is kind of capitalist propaganda. This whole thing is capitalist propaganda. Yeah, but hey, uh, I think you can take these ideas and work with them so that they kind of apply to whatever, you know? The other thing is they can exist at the same time. Like when we said that, get out of your box versus conform, I mean, you can try both. It's all just suggestions. You don't have to do one or the other, or you could mix both. They, they work really well together. Anyway, we have a really special interview coming up. My brother, Michael, is our guest this week. We're having a little bit of a Christmas get-together, <laughs> he and I. All that and more after these messages. Hi, this is Dr. V. Hill with V. Hill Family Medicine, and I would like to tell you a quick story about my primary care practice. I had a patient text me about a cat bite injury to her hand, and she was worried it was now infected. I saw her in clinic that day, cleaned the wound, and arranged for a tetanus shot and antibiotics, saving her critical time, an ER visit, and hundreds of dollars. If you want to know how direct primary care can benefit you, contact me at 253-693-0071 or at VIGILMD.com. Win some meat at Rhinehouse every Monday night from 7 to 8.30. Join us for Monday Night Football and Meat Raffle Monday. Enjoy happy hour beer and wine while watching football and plan to win some homemade sausages, selected cuts of meat, Rhinehouse swag, gift cards, and more. There's two winners every half hour. Remember, Rhinehouse has a heated and covered patio. Savor your beer and brats where the air is fresh and the space is warm. So come and get your meat. Gotta do the self-care. <laughs> How are you? Still a little low? Well, therapy's been good, but it might be smart to lock up the oxy from your surgery. Are you worried? Well, I know not to take medication that's not mine, but I don't want to have it around on a hard day. I'll lock it up. That's very caring. That's me, self-caring for everyone. <laughs> Protect the ones you love from opioid misuse. Lock up your medication. Joining me today via Zoom, uh, we go way back. He's an anthropology student at San Jose State. Uh, he's a member of a lot of the organizations on campus, and he's one of my myriad siblings from back home. Michael Eichenbaum on the show as a special treat for you, the listener. Michael, how are you today? <laughs> I'm good. It's good to meet you once again for the however many Billions time. Billionth time. Billionth time. Yeah. I mean, I've known you your whole life. That's amazing. What have you been up to these days? Well, you know what? Uh, Vice President of the Anthropology Club is going well at the moment. You know, it's it's tough because after the pandemic, our club kind of shrank quite a bit. I've been trying to remember this um, this organization. The, the tough part is 
you know, who knows it exists is the question. So we, <laughs> we've been passing out flyers with our QR code on it and the link tree and, you know, trying to get people involved. You know, that's the goal is trying to get people involved on campus. Okay, so let's let's cut the podcast voice shit for a second. Can I ask you a question that I've been meaning to ask you for a while? Absolutely. Yeah, so how did you feel finding out that your oldest sibling was queer? You know, initially, I was like, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> like, how could I not have done this? Sure, yeah. sure, okay. But it's different when you have a name for something, like, you know, especially because not no, you aren't born knowing these things, right? Right. So, so when you learn the terms for these things, you are generally aware of this population. You're generally aware of the traits that one might imagine one to have within this population. And then you actually encounter people, and they may or may not have be out or even know themselves necessarily at different points in their life. So personally, I saw you, you know, realizing this yourself mm-hmm. over the course of your life because we're five years apart. So mm-hmm. you know, I saw you realizing this, of course, over the course of your life um, more clearly and more fully and taking ownership of it. Watching that was it was very interesting. It was very interesting. So Okay, but so you, you already knew. What was the tell? Was it the shirts? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Some things it's, it's hard to tell, especially going way back. Mm-hmm. But it's an interesting conundrum. Like, you know, at what point do you yourself realize as the person being queer, realize you're queer? And it's like, right. at what point people around you, you know, especially the people closest to you? Mm-hmm. It's a good question. Um, that's something we have to think about. So you work at Timberlands uh, I do. at the outlets in Gilroy, which has the busiest in an out burger in the country. So you speak Spanish and Arabic to your customers sometimes and you've been learning this for what reason you know spanish itself is probably the most useful language i could use in the area that i live in Mm -hmm. because in gilroy garlic capital of the world let's go it's uh tends to be a lot of latino clientele and so people coming into my work who speak spanish you know they often come from watsonville salinas the surrounding cities that are considered part of the salad bowl because they produce 60 i believe to 70 percent of the entire country's uh, fruits and vegetables, which is a huge number, and it seems absurd. Like these couple, these couple counties in the area produce all of that fruits and those fruits and vegetables. So, a lot of those people need work boots, they need work shoes, they need work clothes. So they come to one of the nearest stores they can find that stuff at, and that's my Timberland store in Gilroy. So I encounter a lot of those people who are migrant workers from the state of Oaxaca, the state of Chiapas, uh, even other countries like Guatemala nearby in Central America. So I encounter them a lot and I have to use it because they don't speak any English. Arabic is less used, maybe once a week or so. And they're fascinating individuals who I get to meet and inspire me to travel the world as well. Because they tend to be very, very interesting, like in terms of the information they tell me about their country, the information they tell me about their families, they just have a lot to say, you know, and they're very excited that someone has any interest at all in their being. So, Do you have a favorite uh, Arabic dialect? My, uh, I really like Moroccan Arabic. I think it sounds really beautiful. And I also like the French influence on the on the country. I mean, not the colonialist part, but the language. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess the, the one I'm primarily studying is the Levantine dialect. So that's like mm. Syrian, Lebanese, Jordanian, and Palestinian. Yeah. Is that what our cousins speak? That is what our cousins speak. They're from Jordan, so they speak for sure. uh, the Jordanian uh, dialect of Arabic. I remember one of our cousins' uh, grandparents said, to, he's from Jordan, so he's like, I love listening to Syrian television. They sound so funny. They sound so interesting. And I'm like, wow, even like a bordering country with, you know, Jordan like has a slightly different accent, you know, that they they can pick up on a slightly different slang. Yeah. You know how Americans make fun of British accents all the time, even though our accents are fucking ridiculous? Yeah, I feel like we should normalize like California, Mexican, Spanish making fun of 
Spain Spanish and <laughs> just normalized mocking where you came from, I guess. Agreed. 2023 hashtag. <laughs> I've been actually venturing into different indigenous languages. A lot of those folks that I meet from different states of Mexico, Oaxaca and Chiapas specifically, mm-hmm. they speak plenty of different indigenous languages that prior to even the Aztecs conquering those regions, they've been speaking them for thousands of years. They've evolved themselves over thousands of years. It's hard to gauge how much they've changed these languages because, you know, passing of time, not writing them down. Right. And then you have the Spanish trying to literally not only destroy the languages, but erase any any memory of them. Still, there's millions of people speaking these languages. And the primary one that I've been learning lately is Mixteco. And Mixteco is a language of Oaxaca. There this are a language- lot of people who speak Mixteco back home. Oh, yeah, a lot. It's very interesting. There's songs in Mixteco uh, music from Oaxaca that's about Gilroy and about Salinas and about Watsonville. No fucking way. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's amazing because there's a lot of people who specifically have been going for a couple generations to this area. And so they're like, well, this is where we go a lot to work in the fields. So we might as well make music about where we're at. So like Lobo Mixteco is a good, good group from from that area from Oaxaca that has um, fantastic music. That's a fantastic language, too. What's interesting about it real briefly is there's different tones to the language. So you have something that goes up at the end, like the word new, it mm-hmm. goes up. That's a word that means maybe pueblo, which is town. You go in the middle, mid-range, new, that means fire, fuego. Or if you go down, new, it means batir, to stir. And so it's very, very confusing. It's a total language, sort of like Mandarin. Exactly. That's a good comparison. I talked to a family of Mixteco speakers and they're like, yeah, I was at the beach recently. And they said, yeah, like I heard some people speaking Mixteco nearby. I was like, what the hell what is that? And it turned out to be people speaking Mandarin, and they were like, what? We have a very unique way of speaking. We're influenced by a very specific California accent. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe people can pick up on that listening to us talk right now. But do you think that right now the language in the Bay Area is being more heavily influenced by Eastern languages and non-Western culture? People talk a lot faster. There's a lot more tonality to it. As an anthropology student, I haven't yet looked into the linguistics of my local area, which is funny, you know, like the For actual sure. evolution of language in my local area. It's something I should look into. It's very fascinating that there's such a wide variety of diverse populations in the area. Mm-hmm. And the influence, it may be hard to ascertain for several generations because a lot of folks haven't necessarily integrated yet into the general population of the rest of the country. So I'm curious to see how not only people coming here will integrate into the local linguistic world, but also how they'll then integrate into the, the entire United States linguistic world. I mean, I'm really curious to see how this develops. But it's also been, you know, sped up because of like the advent of technology, how much we talk all the time. In California, I mean, it's got its own little pockets of linguistic curiosities. People in NorCal and SoCal don't talk the same. I sound a little different than you do, I think, because I spent a lot more time with our, our grandparents who say things like Warsh and Sacramento, part of the mission broke, but I, I just think it's really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, like you said, also the, the advent of the internet and the spread of various different dialects of English around the entire country, including in the Bay. There's a lot of influence from AAVE as well that's Mm-mm. been kind of co-opted by people around the country because it's online and the people just have their internet accents that they use. And they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to speak like that's this because it's, it's very fascinating. I've, I've encountered this a lot I'm on Twitter. Instagram, Facebook, like, like yeah, uh, you do this thing that fucking blows my mind. You go into hate groups and just watch. Why? What are you doing? If if you join a private Facebook group, and a lot of them have been banned from Facebook, if you go into these Facebook groups and you really figure out what these people are thinking, it's too much at 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 a certain point. But I really (laughs) want to be able to understand where people are coming from in a way that is not accepting of what they're doing, not tolerant 
of what they're doing just kind of really really trying to figure out the bare bones of like what is wrong <laughs> or also like what is right with these people so that i can feel like i have a commonality with them in, in case i have to engage with them in any way and often it's not something that's really productive if mm -hmm. it gets out of hand yeah. and the question is what's the approach right how do you have a civil discussion with someone you completely disagree with and that's kind of the goal i guess it's just like how to conduct a civil discussion with someone who hasn't had the same life experiences you had and have become part of a group of people that has become either alt-right, far-right, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. So, okay. So anti-Semitism has been in the news a lot more lately we're of jewish heritage we were not raised in the faith but like you i don't want to say infiltrated infiltrated makes it seem like you snuck in using like a <laughs> like like a fake mustache you know but like you've gone to these anti-semitic facebook groups and like white supremacist facebook groups how does that can they not see your last name yeah they can and they uh you know will be initially shocked that I'm even present in this group and then they'll be like oh wait this is that's the other thing is that my mere presence made a deterrent when I when I, sh I show who I am because a lot of them have never even encountered a Jewish person they just know what they know from there through the grapevine you know what I mean or a person of Jewish that's descent. crazy that's yeah. wild to yeah, me because Jews, Jewish people only make up half of one percent approximately of the entire world population so they've only ever encountered the idea of a Jewish person or someone who knows anything about Judaism like from direct so we're like we're like a myth <laughs> we're like they're like oh yeah these leprechauns are doing their <laughs> leprechaun space lasers <laughs> exactly i've Over actually never thought about that because yeah we're like jewish right yeah mm -hmm. and like i'm very proud of that heritage in a way but like i'm not i don't feel as connected to it but whenever i meet another jewish person even if they're not orthodox or whatever they're also very proud of it so i just half of one percent of the global population <laughs> And what is all this hubbub post, about that's, this half of 1%? My goodness. That's that's a very small percentage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting because I've been hanging out with a lot of folks in the local Hillel chapter, which is like Jewish life on campus. Yeah. So I'm not just like exclusively hanging out in right-wing groups that are anti-Semitic. It's also been, you know, <laughs> in, 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 engaging, engaging in Shabbat dinners with people who are actually Jewish and like some from, yeah. you know, all around the world. Sephardic from, you know, Port Portugal and Spain. Sure. Mizrahi, Mizrahi Jews from Middle East and North Africa. And it's fascinating. You get all kinds of folks. You're going to be going on, uh, birthright. on the birthright to Israel. Yeah. I never got yeah. to do that. Yeah. Are you going to come back super militant or what's... <laughs> it's actually supposed to be... For people who have any interest in Israel or the Jewish population at all, and who are also Jewish or like have some Jewish descent, it's people who want to understand what the Holy Land is all about and what the life in Israel is like. There are more intense trips one can go on to learn about the conflicts there and we'll learn more about the militant aspect of Israel. But the birthright trip is more of just like an expose. It's like, hey, this is what Israel is like to us. It's what it's all about. It's not really a propaganda mission necessarily in a very direct way, probably in an indirect way in a, in a sense, but not in the same way that you'd imagine. I haven't been on it yet, so I'll, I'll get back to you on that. Yeah, <laughs> let I, me know I, if, I, you I, get, if you get brainwashed. I, I mean... <laughs> I'll let you know. I'm excited about the trip, though. How could I miss a trip, a free trip to the Holy Land? Like, that's insane. The cradle of multiple religions. And well, I missed it because I was working at UPS. The Mecca of Packages. <laughs> the, <laughs> everyone's favorite fun fact i don't know if you could go to any country in the world i mean i'm going to israel because it's a free trip <laughs> where would you yeah. go where would you go where would i go i've always wanted to take the darjeeling limited in uh, india i think yeah. wes anderson put that idea in my head when i was mm. like 13 or 14 and it looks really cool i i feel like all the people that i know that are my age that can't afford to travel are 
very, very well off. They come from very wealthy families. I don't know. There's just a bitterness there for me, I think. There's a little bit of a, like, well, fuck, man. I want to do that, but I can't because I have, like, responsibilities. And they always come back just slightly worse somehow. Like, not that it, like, you should, like, I think it's important to go and meet new people and, like, go out into the world and, like, learn and travel and embrace your curiosity, right? There's, there's so much out there. Like, you know this about me. Like, I love curiosity as a raw driving force. It's, like, my whole thing. Mm. But I feel like sometimes the people that can afford to go on these, like, years-long, like, self-discovery tours or whatever, mm. they're doing it to, like, reinforce their own ideas about other places. Mm. Like, with mission trips to Ethiopia, mm -hmm. you think that you went there and you helped build a well? Mm-hmm. Like, they already had the funding for the well. Cheap mm. labor's not hard to find in a country mm. where people need money. What are you actually doing there? It's like feel-good tourism, mostly for rich white people. Mm. And they always come back being like, I hugged an elephant. Yeah. <laughs> and look at this great picture of me. I don't know, maybe it's because I, I had to work around a lot of really wealthy people as well. Like, my, my last job, a lot of yacht people would come in. Yeah. And they'd be like, we go to this village every year and they do this special dance. And these are my kids in Africa. And it's like, where? And they're like, I don't know, in Africa. And I'm like, dude. There's different tiers of it, I suppose. You know, like those on the length of the stay, the actual intent of the individual. Sure, yeah. You know, I guess that you're absolutely right. That is far too common. And I've seen people do this not only on social media. <laughs> of course, it's on social media of course, because, you know, that's where people want to share it is on social media. They want to share their adventures and their, their brief trips, their brief forays into being a good person <laughs> that, yeah you know in another place where they can be cool right um, it's like be a good person good. here like, be <laughs> yeah. a good person everywhere that sounded really shitty be a good person in, in, here at home but nowhere else that is ridiculous i love it i want to see it all i want to travel everywhere mm -hmm. you know if i could take a job as a travel writer and still somehow maintain this newspaper and everything i would do it it'd be lovely i give me anthony bourdain's job let me be depressed and travel. Absolutely. He's got such a, a body of work. I can't even imagine what it would be like to be him, you know, travel to every, <laughs> every well, possible. Be dead. Okay. Yeah, it's true. I mean, <laughs> and also I would have done LSD like 300 times, but that's another story. I don't think you, did you pick a country? I don't recall. I don't recall. Countries yeah, are made that. up. Countries are made up. Countries yeah, are made up. I want to just see it all. I would love to see, I'd love to see Romania where a lot of our heritage comes from and it's beautiful i've seen photos that's a, it's also a pretty californian to kind of jump back to that it's kind of a californian thing it's like well we've got everything here why mm -hmm. leave you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you're still living back home how do you feel about gilroy as a town you know i love garlic ice cream i'll be honest yeah I'd for love sure it. love it to death best flavor of ice cream missing you out all you know, <laughs> it's, it's nine, very nine, good some of the population missing out on garlic ice cream it sounds uh, crazy but honestly <laughs> garlic ice it's not even an acquired taste it's either you you love it or you don't chocolate garlic's my favorite chocolate garlic's fantastic my goodness fantastic but gilroy as a, as a location gilroy as a as a concept different things you know interesting it's a great it's a great distance from everywhere it's in the south bay area so you have 45 minutes to santa cruz 30 30 minutes to san jose and if you feel like venturing into various trails there's so much mountainous terrain in the area so you can venture into the wild you know the paved wild i miss hiking we're running out of time here but i just before we wrap up i want to talk about gilroy gardens mm. for the listeners at home because i've tried to explain this to friends i've made up here and they seem flabbergasted 
Mm. How would you describe Gilroy Gardens? Gilroy Gardens is a place where they live with joy and give with joy. <laughs> it's a great opportunity for local youngins to get a job during the summer as well. Gil- okay, <laughs> but more, sp- <laughs> more specifically, Gilroy Gardens <laughs> is a garden-themed agricultural themed amusement park with like a whole section dedicated to fruits as rides there are rotating (laughs) onions that you ride around there's a banana swing but that sounds sexual it's not it's just you know one of those ship rides but it's a banana instead of a ship where it swings up and down it doesn't go all the way around because it would hit the trees yeah have you ever tried to explain circus trees to someone who doesn't know what a circus tree is oh you know the trees that look funny they're they're quite beautiful and strange and they are they're uh... like living sculptures like they're also a beautiful metaphor for relationships across the board Ooh, agreed agreed they're interesting because they have various designs that i don't know if they've passed on the guy who founded the gardens i don't recall if he passed on the information of how to accomplish this specifically the way he did it well he I don't didn't recall. do it uh, mr bonfante i think his family still owns an auto shop downtown but they do yeah uh he bought them from someone else but there's like an italian botanist they do have like a documentary about this in the park but no one ever goes in to watch it there's like a mm-hmm. little hut an educational hut <laughs> Which sounds sketchier when I say it out loud. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's like, we're going to re-educate you about trees. <laughs> yeah. They had a beehive in the middle of the park for a long time, which is dangerous mm-hmm. for kids who are allergic to bees. You know? Oh, well, you know? It's a living test of Mendel's theories of yeah. genetics. It's like, well, <laughs> if these guys are dying off, they can't repopulate. <laughs> yeah. My Crazy. Are you still doing the human odyssey thing on TikTok and Instagram? Uh, yeah, the Human Odyssey. Who knows what what uh, is going to happen next uh, with the Human Odyssey in our lifetimes. Where can people find you online? The underscore human underscore odyssey. Try to post whenever I can the, you know, pieces of the Human Odyssey, little adventures into, you know, very historical moments such as the, you know, Muhammad's Hijra or the longest siege in history or whatever. And on the on TikTok, it's just the Human Odyssey um, where I post videos of myself talking about various cultures around the world and or historical events. Well, man, thank you so much for filling in this slot on the show. It's been a pleasure and a privilege. Of course, I appreciate it.